partakes of a cult kid. Check out frankietees.substack.com for more information. Welcome to How Takes of a Cult Kid. I'm your host, Frankie Teens. In Episode 5, Control Your Image of How to Become a Cult Leader on Netflix, Shoko Asahara would become a countrywide popular spiritual leader using Buddhism, a picture of him levitating, indoctrinating music, the Buddhist beliefs, militancy of his followers' gas attacks, and exploitation of spiritual people's ambitions. Founded in 84 as a yoga meditation group teaching kindness and parental love, the spiritual guru was in pop culture on television and was a restaurant owner. Quote, we had no idea he was a violent group, one public member stated on the documentary. Though there had been several murders before any subway gas attacks, members took their lives and others in obedience several times over. Let's review episode five. Unconditional love. Endless devotion. By offering the right package, you can control people's minds and close them off to everything else. All of us end up in times in our lives where we are feeling a little bit lost, a little bit vulnerable. A good cult leader will come in and say, I've got just the thing. An elusive promise is a surefire method for hooking people in. You can say anything as long as it's for the church's purposes. You are now so programmed to so easily accept death. There are alternatives. To lead a spiritual movement, you have to show perfection in action. It's very important to convince people there is something sacred about you. Cult leaders adopt whatever stance can be effective for them. Mass weddings. Drugs. Plastic surgery. Weapons to fight evil. You need people to think that you mean well. You can't have them feel manipulated. Manson said if they're completely helpless, they're of no use. The number of followers is like money in the bank. The more you have, the more power you have. I think about those 900 people following this evil man to the point of no return. If these groups were advertising what they're really about, nobody would join. Far off in the small country of Japan, a cult took hold in the 80s. The leader, known only as Asahara, was born in a poor Japan family, nearly blind. Young Asahara attended a special disability school. Asahara studied Buddhism in India and, when returning to Japan, portrayed himself as otherworldly, someone who could read people's minds. His bathwater was sacred, his blood holy. Within a year, Asahara's little group had 10,000 members in Japan and 40,000 worldwide. To control his image, he circulated photos of himself levitating and people believed them. Asahara taught members to recruit winners, focusing on the elite. He wanted only the A-list crew. He denounced the rich Asian culture of Japan in the 80s, the materialism he saw which had swept his nation. A counterculture message with the young people of Japan, which they liked and picked up on quickly. Asahara becomes a popular speaker at lectures, on television, and on the university circuit. So he's connecting the young people. He preached that anyone who followed Asahara will gain spiritual powers. 
He received the blessing of the Dalai Lama publicly, which helped his spiritual fame and solidified him as holy. Very important for cult leader, of course. The cult went from 35 followers in 1986 to 1,300 disciples in 1987. They were to model purity. One disciple had scientific skills and was enrolled to create an electric helmet, which was used to stimulate the brain and make them more spiritual somehow. Asahara rewarded disciples for coming up with more such tools. By 1988, he had created an extreme spiritual boot camp at the base of Mount Fuji. Meditation, fasting, sleep deprivation, electric shock therapy, hanging upside down were some of the activities. The extreme life didn't work out for everyone. One member died at the camp and the inner circle began helping to cover it up. They had all the opportunity to take him for medical help, but did not do so. Asahara had to protect his image. The sacrifice of this young life was painted as holy and he was buried on premise and the secret kept among his most committed disciples. The excuse given was that the dead disciple could not attain enlightenment in his body, so he had to die to re-enter the cycle of reincarnation and try again. But doubt bred crisis. Some threatened to contact law enforcement. Member Taguchi wanted to snitch and was subsequently tortured on site in 1989. Asahara realizes the man is a traitor and has him killed. The inner circle is compliant. Now there is murder outright, not an accidental death. The slippery slope is now where they live. Death has become justified twice. While Sahara has to eliminate dissent and protect the image of the group, as narrator Peter Dinklage points out, the playbook is followed. Karma, the idea that bad points are accrued in life and kept for the next life, that was used as a stick on the group. They must obey their master Asahara. Enemies of the truth were not allowed. According to the playbook, Asahara seduces the press. I made a note that the narrator's delivery is impeccable here. So illustrative is his tone. Kidnapping was the next level. Family members claimed their adult children were being held by the leader in Japan at the camp. Asahara got a spokesperson to control the narrative. He created his image by doing another round of press, TV shows and radio appearances. He joked about himself, appearing to have a sense of humor amid his dark activities, creating a facade. He disarmed the rising narrative of families wanting their kids and siblings back from this group. Asahara became a musical icon. See episode 69 of Frankie Files podcast for more and was featured in children's anime cartoons. He wove himself into the public narrative as a spiritual star and someone bringing the spirituality of Buddhism to Japan and the world. A savior. The song Mainstream March reflected the militant religious fervor surrounding Asahara. Millions of kids were dancing to Asahara, like TikTok before it even existed and not the good songs, but very annoyingly hypnotic and militant. An anti-cult lawyer got in the act and started building a case. He did a measurement to prove Asahara had normal blood, among other declamations. 
The family who was speaking out and having the cult investigated was poisoned in their own home and killed. More death and blood on the hands of Om Shinrikyo. Next, police hesitated to get involved due to the religious nature of the group. Police stood down on the murder. According to the narrator, the playbook says, get political. The show then features Dr. Yanyan Lalich of LalichCenter.org on this topic. Asahara wanted respect of a messiah. In July of 1989, he found a political party as candidate for parliament. He went political. He ran a parody of Japan elections for his campaign, his message, Doomsday. But he lost in a landslide and was mocked by Japan. This one backfired, and they would go on to regret it. According to the playbook, Dinklage states, Don't get mad. Get revenge. That's the next move. It's funny, isn't it, how these spiritual people are so petty. Asahara created a new narrative to explain the humiliating public defeat of his election. There's a conspiracy being run against him, including U.S., Great Britain, and Freemasons. Quote, we need to strike back, he sold his followers. He begins to weaponize his scientists in his ranks, extremely eager to please him. Asahara seeks bioweapons, nuclear weapons, warheads, and nerve gas. His engineers settle on nerve gas as the other things were not functional or efficient for their cause. The cult acquires open land in Australia, populating it with animals for testing their nerve gas fatality. It worked, and none were the wiser way over there, way from peering eyes in Japan. The year is now 1995, and Om Shinrikyo Group is ready and poised to strike back. They arm themselves with the deadly gas and head to their nearest subway. The gas attack, a survivor on episode 5 says, kills 14 people. They had accomplished part of their insane goal. The leader Asahara evades capture and is on the run. He claims they are not responsible for the gas attacks. A cache of weaponry which could kill 4 million people was then discovered on property. Finally, the police find the guru hiding in a bunker at the Mount Fuji camp. He's detained. Thirteen members were found guilty of murder, including Asahara, the ringleader. Finally, they were put to death in 95 for the deadly subway mass killing and the cult disband. It's amazing how little we've heard around the world about this story and how to become a cult leader did a pretty good job of skimming through the timeline, using animation to fill it in, and showing how it started peacefully and grew into a disdain for the world that the leader could not hold back. And the deep, dark insecurity of one man was allowed to bleed all over would-be disciples who simply wanted to better themselves. It's a twisted tale of power and deception, all disguised as Buddhist spirituality. It's hard to measure who's done the most damage being used in idolatry, Jesus or Buddha. But that's another discussion altogether. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes of the Cult Kid. And always, keep critical thinking. 
partakes of a cult kid. Check out frankietees.substack.com for more information.